0: So there's been a a phrase, phenomenon, that uh, you might have heard of over the last five years or so, I think. Has anybody heard the phrase FOMO? FOMO, F-O-M-O, FOMO. What does FOMO mean? Fear of missing out. So uh, my son has really big FOMO. We've learned that over the last couple of uh, years, he was a early um, crawler out of the crib. And so um, when he was two years old, uh, we ended up having to convert to a toddler bed because he was crawling out. And what we found was that he was crawling out not to play with his toys, but to come out of the room and to come see us. This has become such a repeated pattern at night that we just expect him to come out of his room. So I'll sit there and I'll rock him and I'll say some sweet things to him and then I'll tuck him in. And I mean, I could almost count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Here he is, and here he comes out with his monkey and his blankie and his big old smile like, here I am. Now, most nights, if it's a school night, it's the only time he does it. Then he'll go back in, and he'll go to sleep, and we're good. But on those other times when he's had too much time to sleep during the day, we can go through this routine four or five or six times. And last night was one of those nights because a good football game was on. We were watching LSU and Ole Miss. And um, uh, it's not teams that I particularly even care about. It was just a good football game. And we were like, James, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go nine night And he said, no, I'm watching football. And I mean, that just, isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever heard a child say? So I was like, okay, you're watching football. But how many of you think you have a fear of missing out? Does anybody have that? You're just extroverted or you just, you just don't want to miss the party. I can't say that I'm often one of those people. But there have been a few times in my life when I have had FOMO. I've had that fear of missing out, that sadness because I wanted to be somewhere where all of my friends were, where all of my family was, and I wasn't there. When I started thinking about that phrase, fear of missing out, I realized that we all have a fear of something. We all have a fear of missing something. We have a fear of missing our our child, our children grow up. We have a fear of not getting a job opportunity. We have a fear of missing an opportunity with somebody or not getting a moment back. We all have a fear of missing something. But I wonder how many of us have a fear of missing out at church. When was the last time you said to yourself, well, it may have actually been last week on our 50th anniversary, so not last week. You can't count last week. When was the last time you said to yourself, I cannot miss church today? Not because of it out of duty or responsibility, but because you feared that you would be missing out on something. This is how I felt as a youth in youth group church was a huge part of my upbringing. I have parents that are pastors. And so I literally lived and grew up in the church. And so youth group and the youth ministry for me was so incredibly important. And so I had a fear of missing out on something if I wasn't there. There's a great book that we're talking about in this new sermon series that we're starting today on community. It's called The Art of Gathering. And she's talking about not only how we gather, but why we gather. Because oftentimes, we gather so often and so frequently that many times people don't really think through why they gather or the importance of gathering. And gathering is how we create community, And here's what she says about how we gather. She said, it should be both, the hospitality should be both awe the guests and honor them. So when you are gathering people in a space, you should both awe the guests and honor them. It must plant in them a paradoxical feeling of being totally welcomed and deeply grateful to be there. I think that's a pretty good definition of FOMO. To be totally welcomed And deeply grateful to be there. So today we're going to start this very short sermon series on community. And we're going to read from the book of Romans. And this... um This book and in this series of letters, Paul, the writer of Romans and all of the letters that we find in our New Testament, Paul is talking to a group of church leaders and church planters in Rome. Now he's doing a brand new thing because if you think about Christianity at this time, many Christian churches are not meeting in churches, they are meeting in homes, They're creating community in a brand new way. They're not meeting in synagogues. They're not bringing offerings to the synagogue. A lot of what was happening in religion at this time was individually. You would bring your offering. You would pray by yourself. And so community was not found necessarily within religion. But Paul begins writing to these new churches and to these home churches and is saying this is where community is supposed to be. This is what community is supposed to look like because we're supposed to need each other. And he has this metaphor called the body of Christ. We read about it today in Romans 12 verses 3 through 8. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all members have the same function. And so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually, we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. So what Paul is saying to this group here in the church of Rome is that your identity is not just as an identity in Christ, your your own personal salvation and faith, but it's an identity as a community of faith together to be the body of Christ. It's this metaphor where Paul is telling us over and over again in a different kind of way than is used to especially in this time that every member of the body of Christ is valued equally and not only are we all valued equally we need one another Paul is telling the people it's not only important for us to show up but it is important for us to show up with our gifts with all of who we are with our differences because we need each other Paul says this is the way that a community of faith functions. This is the way the body of Christ functions. It's first for us to show up, to be present. I've had the gift of getting to be part of many different gatherings and communities. And one of those communities um, is a what's called Enneagram. If you've ever done any study of Enneagram before, there's a woman who's a master teacher of it who's written many books of it that I have Gotten the privilege to learn from her name is Suzanne Stabil. And whenever we gathered, before she started any of this very different sort of teaching, and before we dove into what we were diving into, she would say, Okay, here's what I need you to do. Here's the four things I need you to do when we come together I need you to show up, I need you to tell the truth, be honest. And I need you to listen and not get attached to the results. (laughs) Show up, tell the truth, listen, and don't get attached to the results. Those, all four of those, when she said that, I was like, okay, right, we're just setting the tone for what we're about to do here. And then as we started going through the day, I thought, oh, all of these are hard. There's not a single one of these that is easy, but this is what we're supposed to do as a community. When we come together, when we dive deeper in our faith, when we serve our community, God calls calls us to show up. And what Suzanne was telling us as we showed up was to show up with all of who we are. Not just the good bits, not just the pieces that we want everyone to see, but all of who we are, the messiness of our lives. She told us to tell the truth, be honest. Now, she wasn't talking about spilling our deepest secrets to a room full of people, but what she was talking about was being honest with ourselves, asking questions like, what do you need? What do you need from yourself? What do you need from God? What do you need from your community? Can you be honest about that? Can you listen Can you take the other perspectives in the room, the differences of the people around you, and not only tolerate them, but have compassion and acceptance for them in a way that brings you together and realizes that your differences are actually what gives you so much strength? Then my hardest one was always, don't get attached to the results. (laughs) We always have an expectation when we go somewhere, when we gather, especially in worship. We have an expectation of the way things should be. Things should go a certain way, be a certain way. And when they aren't, we have, we have some disappointment. We have some disappointment in the people who we're gathering with or some disappointment in the people who are hosting or leading. Maybe even some disappointment in showing up in the first place. So not getting attached to a result is all around managing our expectations which loops us back around to showing up. Showing up without an expectation and instead showing up and just being willing to be present. To see where the moment or like the worship service might take us. Showing up as part of a community is what Paul talks about. But it takes us back to this fear of missing, fear of missing out. We all fear something in community. We all realize that it's hard to show up sometimes in community and in gatherings because we have a deep-seated fear that maybe we won't be included, that we won't be welcome, that maybe something about us will not be enough. Paul tells us not only to show up, but to show up with all of ourselves and to show up with our strengths, with the God-given gifts that God has given us. Patrick Lencioni wrote a book several years ago um, in which he talked about how we all have three major strengths when a team comes together. People are hungry, hungry like they're either like very passionate and very um, in pursuing something. They are smart, common sense smart or analytically smart, like they're driven from, from that angle or they are humble. Most people have two of those that they do really well. You're either humble and you're hungry or you're smart and you're humble. But we all have this lower third, this thing that we don't do quite as well as the other two. And one of the ones that I found interesting when I went through this was humility. Because what it says about humility is not just that we think that we are better than or that our egos are too big for or we are smarter than everybody else. But, but there's this misconception of humility that it is also that we, um, this self-deprecation, this idea that we, we don't think enough of ourselves. That, and we call that humility. Like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, no, that's not for me. We question ourselves, we have this sense of self-doubt, and what Patrick Lencioni said is that oftentimes we define that as humility, and that becomes our lower third, not thinking enough of our own gifts, not thinking enough of what we bring to the table, and not seeing how it matters equally to the other parts of the team. What Paul is telling us here in Romans 12 is that every single gift that comes to the table is not only important, but it is necessary. It doesn't seem like uh, a jaw-dropping brand new idea for us today that we need each other, but this was a brand new idea for the people of God, that we need each other. That we do not do faith alone, that we do not do our walk with Christ alone, that even Jesus did not walk alone. Jesus walked with people, He connected with them. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is the one of Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus is told that one of His dear friends, His community, one of His people has died. And he goes to see Mary and Martha, and he goes to the tomb where Lazarus is, and he grieves. Before there is any type of miracle, before there is anything happening, Jesus weeps at the feet of a tomb of his friend. And Martha, in this moment of anger, also has this moment of honesty with Jesus where she says, if you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened And Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, but before he does so, somebody questions him and says, are you sure we want to do that? Because it's going to smell really bad. He's been in there dead for three days. There's going to be a stench. Are you sure you really want to do this miracle? Because it's going to smell really bad. How oftentimes in community, when things get hard or when things get uncomfortable or where things get a real little bit too real, do we say, Are we sure we want to do that? Are we sure that this is really what we want to be about? And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and comes out in all of these cloths. He's wrapped in cloths for the burial. And Jesus says something interesting to the people around him. He says, you unbind him. You, the community, not Jesus, not his family, but the group of people, the people of faith, the people that were gathering there, took the cloths and began to unbind Lazarus from death. That is what community is about. When we are the type of community that Paul talks about and the type of community that God calls us to, when we feel like we are dead or broken or there is nothing new around us or inside of us, when we don't think that we have anything to offer, the community of faith surrounds us. We are the ones who unbind We are the ones who come together and say God is doing a new thing.